By now, I'm sure you know you can use the code LIGHTHOUSE and save up to 66% off at MyPillow.com. Did you know that you can also use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyStore.com? MyStore.com is Mike Lindell's rebuttal to Amazon. MyStore.com is American products produced by American entrepreneurs. So use the code LIGHTHOUSE and visit MyStore.com to support American businesses. I'm Peter Seraphine, and So Simple Even a Politician Can Understand is my latest book. It is a book of simple ideas that would go a long way towards fixing some pretty big problems in our government. It is an easy-to-read short book that uses common sense, something seriously lacking in our government. Order your copy for less than $10 wherever books are sold or at liberty-lighthouse.com slash books. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must take America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late There's not long There's not long We've got to take our country back And I'm coming to you from the state of independence The birthplace of American liberty The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania I am your Thursday host of the National Intel Report Live on Republic Broadcasting Network Rebroadcast as Liberty Lighthouse on Bojo Five O Radio Network and Patriot Nation Radio Network, I am Peter Seraphine. A man, a legend, with, with a great a, beard, with the greatest beard in radio. This guy is the sweetest, nicest, most gentlest person you've ever met in your life. The man's really insightful and pretty freaking smart. With wit, sharp like safety scissors. I would I would walk over hot coals for this guy. With a golden voice behind the microphone. He's got a big, fat, juicy, beautiful brain. The Nostradamus of political prognostication. Your host, Peter Seraphine. Free speech is not free. Always remember, free speech is not free. Support this free speech network. Donate if you can. If not, hey, buy merchandise or from the sponsors those things all help too and uh, we need that hey tonight i got a whole bunch of people with me first off we got a guest in both the first and second hour that's rather unusual for my shows and i have a co-host mr steve o'brien one of the the hosts of uh republic of texas radio are you there steve i sure am thank you for having me on my pleasure thank you for doing this for those out there in Radio Land that care, um, my regular full-time job is a mailman, and it's December right now. So the the likelihood of me getting home in time to do this broadcast every week is well, it's diminishing. So I got Steve this week and next week. He's going to be my co-host, and in the event that I can't make it home from work, he's going to be your host until I do get here. And 
On the line also, we have Mr. Jim Clymer, the national chairman of the Constitution Party, if I got that right. Is that right, Jim? You got it right. That's correct. Okay, so for anybody else out there who uh, basically you're equivalent in another party, you'd be like Rona McDaniel in the Republican Party, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Job-wise, not not you know on a personal level or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> well i'm i'm sure she gets paid a whole lot better <laughs> instead of having to instead of having to pay like i do <laughs> well last week here on this show we had a a, a guest call in it was, it was jim and i can't remember where you were from jim i'm sure you're listening tonight because you said you would, you call in, and he brought up a good point. He was he specifically was talking about the electoral college awards and and the rules by the states, and that triggered in my head like all of the roadblocks that are there for the third party, so called third party candidates. So that's why I asked you to be here, Jim. Okay. So let's. I mean, I don't really know how to proceed. I, I was thinking maybe we just go through the process from, hey, we have a candidate to how do we get them on the ballot and what happens if you're like, like, like step by step along the way, what are the barriers that have been put in place? But before we do that, let's give out the phone number because this is a live call-in show. And if you've got a question for Mr. Jim Clymer, national chairman of the Constitution Party, it's 512-248-8252. Or 800-313-9443. So let's pretend for a minute that I want to run for office with the Constitution Party. What are the steps? What do I have to do to get on a ballot anywhere in the state? Well, that varies from state to state. If you're wanting to run for president, then, uh, of course, you have to be nominated by the convention of the Constitution Party, which we hold every four years, and that's a matter of winning over the hearts of the uh, the delegates to the convention. It's just basically the same way it works in as uh, with the with the big parties, Democrats and Republicans. If you want to run for, let's say, U.S. Senate from uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, since that's where I live, and that's what I'm most familiar with. Then you would have to uh, get the approval of the uh, state committee members from the, uh, or actually the delegates to the convention, because we would hold a a statewide convention also. But uh, the delegates to the convention would have to nominate you. Again, very similar to the major parties. Now, the difference is um, with, well, I sh I sh well, yeah, the difference is that in most states, not true in all states, but in most states, they have primaries for all the offices. And so if you want to be a Republican candidate for U.S. Senate, you have to win the primary in your state. We can't participate in primaries in Pennsylvania. And we can't participate in primaries in virtually every other state. There's, there may be one or two states where we can uh, have private, we can participate. Well, no, there are 
maybe more like three or four states where we can participate in primaries. But uh, most states we cannot because we are uh, a, a lower class of party in the eyes of the law of the various states. But it is governed by state law. And even though you're nominated by your party in the state, that's that's the first step. And frankly, that's usually pretty easy to get because we don't have that many people who are willing to expend what it takes to run a statewide race. But once you get over that hurdle, then you have to meet the ballot access requirements of the of that particular state. Now, right. that's, that's what I want that to get varies, to. That so, varies widely from state to state. Now, I, too, live in Pennsylvania, and I did a little bit of research before having you on here. You know, Pennsylvania recognizes four political, quote-unquote, parties, and anybody else is considered a political body. And for them to be a political party, you have to have garnered 2% of the vote in in the largest recent statewide election well it's, that's not quite that's close that's not quite okay it. you have to have garnered at least two percent of what the top vote getter got oh, in okay. that race that's a so little bit not not two per, it is better it's, you know if assuming they're competitive races it's it's uh just a little bit less than two percent I mean, a little bit less than 1% of the total votes gathered. But uh, 2% of what the winning, uh, the top winning candidate got. So in this past election, actually, I don't know offhand the number of votes that they got, but it's 2% of the, um, I think Josh Shapiro got the most votes in this last election. So it would be 2% of what he got would be what's required to, be a minor party. I'm not sure, but I think you said there are four. There were four. I'm not sure that there are four anymore because they have to. This happens to happen every every two years, every election cycle, where there are statewide races, and um, uh, so I think actually two of those dropped off. But but in Pennsylvania, there's a class that you're classified as either a major party or a minor party, if you do make that 2% threshold, then you're a minor party. And they have different rules for minor parties and major parties. The major parties, Republicans and Democrats, of course, and they uh, nominate by the the primary process, whereas the minor party has to collect signatures in the same way as a political body. So, and there are similar rules to this in other states, but this is Pennsylvania is unique in one aspect that you can't become a major major party unless you have fifteen percent of the total registrations registered in your party, and that's okay. uh, now, that's a virtually now, impossible task. Fifteen percent of voter registration does that trump the two percent in the last? vote or is or is it in addition to um, 
that's uh, that trumps the two percent. Yes, I mean if you have fifteen percent of the total registrations in the state in your party, then you are a major party regardless of how many or how few votes you get. But you realize so, that means you need like um, a million and a half registrations uh, for a minor party or for a new party. That's <clears throat> that's virtually impossible. I mean, that's, right. that's, I get that. No, nobody's that's something close that, to that. that we, the people out here in in the world, that's something that we can do. We, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm registered to the Constitution Party because it's the only party that has a platform that I, I can get behind at all. But we often don't have candidates. So just because you're registered to the Constitution Party doesn't mean you can't vote for the Republican or whoever you, you might want on the other side. All of you people out there who are registered independents, which most of my research, anytime I look at it, registered voters are roughly a third Republican, roughly a third Democrat, and then roughly a third either in, either independent or other. If if a whole bunch of those independents were to register to the Constitution Party or the Libertarian Party or the Green Party or whatever, you know, made up a new party, if a whole bunch of them all registered to one specific party, you'd instantly be considered a major party. Yes. <laughs> but that's a bigger task than what what I think you realize. Oh no, uh, I, I one understand. Thing, yeah, in Pennsylvania, if you registered anything other than a Republican or Democrat, you cannot vote in the primary. Right, you can Close only vote in the primary if you're registered in one of the major parties. And so, a lot of people want to participate in the primary, and even though their sympathies may be with us, with the Constitution Party, they will often switch their registration so that they can vote in the Republican primary or the Democrat party uh, primary. Understood. Steve, you're being awful quiet over there. you have anything to say? Uh, yeah, let me get off mute for a second. I, I, I hate to say this. I'm getting quite depressed by the conversation. Because um, <laughs> I, I see the Democrats and the Republicans as the uniparty, and they're out there controlling everything, and the, you know, the media is out there echoing whoever they want. Uh, I am a registered Republican. I don't know why the hell I am, but I am. Actually, I can give you some reasons. Um, Libertarians, I, yeah, okay. Constitution Party, yeah, I get you guys. I, I love you. I love the Libertarians to a certain extent, to a large extent, actually, except the crazy ones. Um, but I really wish we had ballot access for somebody. I wish we had fair elections. But now, while, you, while you're talking about all these steps that you have to do to become a group in Pennsylvania or, uh, you know, a party in Pennsylvania, Man, that's kind of frustrating. I thought we all had only had to vote and count the votes, but I don't know. That, that's all I'm thinking right now. I'm <laughs> sorry, Peter. Well, you know, our our Pennsylvania Constitution says that elections shall be fair and equal, and right. that's been our cry here. There's anything yeah. but equal in terms of access to for political parties to the uh, to, to play on the stage. 
I, 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 really I completely like agree. There's absolutely nothing equal about it, especially if you have different classifications right. for major party, minor party, and political body. Then, I mean, that's by definition exactly. not equal. Yeah. Now, now that registration requirement is really unique in Pennsylvania. There's no other state that has a requirement for anything close to that in terms of becoming a major party and having permanent ballot act, what we would call permanently permanent ballot access. Some states, it's relatively easy. In um, Delaware here, not far away, I don't remember the exact number, but it's... Uh, well, I can look it up here real quickly. Yeah, if you have 760, you only need 760 uh, people registered in the Constitution Party or any party to for it to qualify as a party and have ballot access. So that's much more reasonable. That that's one that's very yeah, it's, it's much more reasonable and it would be fairly easy mm-hmm. to achieve. Uh, but then there are some. For states that don't have ballot access, and I'll just say for the Constitution Party, we have what I, again, would call permanent ballot access, where they don't have to go jump through the hoops of getting signatures to get on the ballot. And we have that in 12 states right now. We just lost one because our candidate didn't get enough votes in the last election, but in Missouri. But, um, but other than those 12 states, we have to uh, either, as in Delaware, get enough registrations, and that, that there's just very few states like that. Most of them require petition signatures on a petition to get on the ballot, and they range anywhere from a couple hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand in California, for example, um, to eight hundred in New Jersey. In, in Pennsylvania, it's 5,000 right, right. right now. For and I want to talk rate. about that one in particular. I want to talk about Pennsylvania and what happened during COVID. But first, I want to play a little a, a little something that might explain my, my newfound interest in this topic. The United States was founded on the idea that government's role is to secure our unalienable rights. Many of our politicians today have openly admitted that they don't care about your rights. These same politicians ignore the Constitution they swore to protect and defend. It is time to clean house. As your president, I will make secure your rights, turning rights already lost, my number one priority. I will fight to shove the federal government back into the metaphorical box outlined by the enumerated powers of the U.S. Constitution. I urge you to visit Peter for President dot com to see my platform and to get involved in my campaign together we can show the world that we the people are the sovereigns in charge not some of elitists in washington dc i'm peter and i approve this message peter is not a real candidate for president but i wish he was <laughs> yeah that's good <laughs> i thought until that last uh, last line, I I thought this was thought you were running. running to your yeah. announcement. 
That's well, the race, yeah. I, I did the announcement last week. We had an hour-long uh, press conference where I took live questions as, as a presidential candidate, and I had some pre-recorded questions, and we went through, and then I made that ad, and I've got a website up, and I've even created merch. You can go buy a T-shirt for Peter for President on it. But it is all a bit. It's a, it's a fake thing. It's parody. It's whatever you want to call it. I am forbidden by law from running for president because I'm a federal employee. I'm forbidden mm-hmm. by the Hatch Act because apparently somebody at some point think, thought that, you know, as a federal employee, I could use my power and influence to swing an election because, you know, the 650 houses that I deliver to on my mail route, that, that's enough. That That's my power and influence circle right there. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Terrible. I don't think the Hatch Act was was meant for people like me, but it's unfortunately no. I'm still covered well, by it. Yeah. So yeah, well, that, you, you could always quit your job, Peter. Yeah, well, I need the money right now. So unless you find me a, a way to make, I don't, I'll, I'll even take a pay cut. You find me a job making thirty five thousand dollars a year, sitting behind a microphone or something like that, where I could run for president. Maybe mm. I would. But, uh, I mean, that, that's a pretty significant pay cut. But I really don't like my yeah. job, so that's okay. <laughs> uh, but we, before, before the uh, commercial break there, um, you brought up here in Pennsylvania the two or 5,000 signatures to get on the ballot, right? So right. you have to get 5,000 signatures. Usually you get those signatures at, you know, fairs and, and outdoor events, you know, the big public mm-hmm. gatherings, things that mm-hmm. happen. When when yep. when the Wuhan flu, Wu Tang clap, China virus, whatever you want to call it, pandemic, scandemic, whatever, happened, you asked Governor Derfuhrer Wolf if he would waive the five thousand signature line or modify it in some way, because all of the places that you would normally gather those signatures were closed, were not available. They were shut down. And what what was Darefuer's Darefuer Wolf's response? No, thank you. No can do. No will do. Yeah, I mean, so he's and it was Darefuer that uh, that instituted instituted arcane rules of saying that we could not gather. That we, you know, we we couldn't even go to church. We you know, all these things that we were not allowed to do, and yet that was the time where we. We were supposed to be gathering signatures, and it was, of course, impossible to do. Now, that sounds an awful lot like election interference. The governor instituted the rules that forbade you, prevented you from gathering the signatures for ballot access. That Yeah. That sounds an awful lot like election interference to me. A lot of that in the news lately. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If we could just make you judge also, that uh, we might be able to make some headway with that argument. <laughs> I'm not picky. I'll take a judge's job. There's no law that says you have to be a lawyer to be a judge, right? Nope. Well, uh, or, well that the depends. Supreme Court, you don't, you don't have to be a lawyer to be on the Supreme Court. But uh, right. in Pennsylvania, you have to be a lawyer to be a, a judge, anything other than the the low, the I shouldn't say low, but uh, the magisterial district judge, which is the 
equivalent of um, small claims court in most, what they call small claims court in most states. You don't have to be a judge for that. You don't have to be a lawyer for that. I, I didn't know that. I, honestly, I didn't. I, I figured the elected judges, it's up to the it's up to the voters. You vote, you elect somebody, you should know whether or not they were an attorney and whether or not you want to elect them dis, despite or because of or instead of or whatever. But, um, you know, we'll see. Yeah, well, an interesting thing, you know, is the Pennsylvania Constitution says that for attorney general, you have to be an attorney, you have to be a lawyer. Uh, but... Um, there was a libertarian candidate running. I think he ran a couple of times for attorney general who was a professor. He was not an attorney, not a lawyer. And it's actually the same year that I ran. And it was a very colorful individual. And his argument was that if he would be reelected, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania would have the power to make him an attorney. <laughs> so, uh, how how that theory would play out if he actually won, I don't know. But, uh, he he went for it. I don't, I don't know. It, it's silly to me. Okay, so ballot access as a third party here in Pennsylvania, again, 5,000 signatures to get on the ballot. Now, this is not primaries. You can't get on a primary for nothing. This is to Correct. get on the... The November real ballot. The general election in November, right. And I've, and I've got to say, that used to be much higher than that. Wow. It used, to, it, used, it used to be the same 2% standard that you had to get signatures for, which would often be anywhere from 20,000 to 30,000 signatures. Wow. All right, well, it's and, break time. Uh, we, we'll be back in three minutes with Jim Clymer, National Chairman of the Constitution Party. If you live stream or host a podcast, I want you to check out Mayono for your audio equipment. Mayono is quality audio equipment at affordable prices, and you can save another 5% by using the code LibertyLighthouse at Mayono.com. Microphones, cables, stands, and interface equipment. I particularly love my Mayono caster, and it was one-third the price of the more famous competitor. So use the code LibertyLighthouse all one word, at mayono.com, M-A-O-N-O dot com. Hello, I'm political commentator Peter Serrett. I entered the political world by writing a short book titled Progress, Really? Progress, Really? is a short book, one man's view of social progress in his own lifetime. A common sense observation designed to make you ask yourself, when does progress stop being progress? Order your copy for less than $10 wherever books are sold or at liberty-lighthouse.com slash books. Like 
Hey, welcome back to National Intel Report. I'm Peter, your Thursday host. I got a co-host with me tonight, Mr. Steve O'Brien. On the line. Hello. Hello. On the line is Jim Clymer, National Chairman of the uh, Constitution Party. And next hour, I got Bud Cornwell, who wants to talk about the Convention of States. And I know, Jim, you've got some opposing views to the Convention of the States, and I share those. But first, I believe Steve has a question for both you and I, Jim. Yeah, I do, actually. I'm I'm just kind of like, okay, here's the question. Let's just get to it. Jim, you know, uh, you and Peter are both in the the Constitution Party. Did you start out that way? Or how did you get politically active? And what led you to go into the Constitution Party? You know, I'm I'm dang curious. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I could make that into a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> okay. I, just, no, I was I was active, uh, somewhat active before. I was active in in, in politics politics generally, but then in um, 1991, Howard Phillips who's the founder of the party, um, invited me to join in, uh, in an effort to start a new party. We started out as the U.S. Taxpayers Party, so and I was uh, we first ran candidates in 1992, but I was part of that organizing process right from the beginning. And that's been my life since then, but I've you know run for office a number of times and... Um, for various different offices, but always, well, none actually ran as a libertarian for Auditor General here in Pennsylvania uh, back in 92 while this was happening. But uh, um, that's, that's I, I basically grew up in that's the short story. <laughs> that's great. I remember when, you know, um, that's why about when I started voting. You know, so I, I do remember the riots <laughs> of the Constitution Party. What do you think, Peter? What's your deal? Oh, first off, I've always thought that the name U.S. Taxpayer Party felt a little socialist. So I'm glad they changed it to the Constitution Party. Um, <laughs> but I I yeah. first found the Constitution Party uh, by going to, uh, was it isidewith.com? where I was answering a whole bunch of political questions. I don't know if you've never been to that site, it's really, yeah. it's insightful. You should look at it, but it's a very long questionnaire and you go through and you answer all of their questions, as many of them as you want or don't want, whatever. And then at the end of the quiz, it tells you where you stand on the political spectrum by party and, and it'll break it down by categories and all kinds of interesting stuff. But that was the first time I ever saw the name constitution party. And uh, that was probably 2017, 2018, something like that. And I found it and I thought, well, that sounds good. So I went to constitutionparty.com and I read their platform. And when I read the platform, I was like, well, this has got me written all over it. Like, it's the only political platform I've ever seen from any party that ties every bullet point, every section of the platform ties to ties back directly to the u.s constitution the declaration of independence or the bible and sometimes two or three of those and uh-huh. I, I i fell in love with the platform in fact if you go to 
PeterForPresident.com and you start looking at the platform that I'm building there, I'm modeling it after the Constitution Party platform. It's A lot of it is copy and paste from the Constitution Party platform where I change we to I just because I'm lazy and it's a fake campaign so I don't have to make a real platform. <laughs> Good advertisement, though. That's great. <laughs> well, anybody who listens to the show has probably heard me say that I'm I, I'm registered to the Constitution Party. And and in full disclosure, I registered with the Constitution Party. I reached out to the to the Constitution Party via email. I hit the little contact me button there once and said, Hey, I do a radio show. Do you have any pre recorded ads that I could run during my show? And the person that got back to me said, No. I said, <laughs> well, do you mind if I make some? And they're like, Go for it. So I made a couple of ads and 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 then I went to the national committee meeting. That was probably about a year ago, um, in uh, in North Carolina. And when I was there, we played some ads. I did a bunch of interviews, recorded them, played them on my my show, Liberty Lighthouse, before I was was on uh, Republic Broadcasting Network. And I'm just really interested, and I'm really involved in it. It really is the party for me, and. Jim, I, I I have a question too. Though is how do you how do you address the argument of splitting the vote? The people that say, well, if I vote Constitution Party, then the Republicans going to lose, and we'll end up with Satan in office. Like how how do you handle that argument? Well, you know, if you keep on doing the same thing that that you've always done and it's not working. At some point, you ought to learn that you got to do something different. And how many times, if you just, neither of you are nearly as old as I am, so you don't have as many years' experience doing this, but how many times do you have to kick the football that uh, Lucy's holding and, and have it yanked away from you at the last second and go spinning through the air? I mean, this is, I've seen this so many times that. We're given the promises to get your vote in the, during the election process, but then they turn around and do what the, is, you know, what, what the what the Democrats would do anyway. And in fact, right. you can make an argument. And I, you know, used to have these numbers at my fingertips, but back during just go back a few years to the George W. Bush administration. And if you look at spending, you look at social spending, spending on social programs, the growth of government, so many different areas, you can see that it's worse during his administration than it was during the Clinton administration that preceded him. And and, and that's typical in so many areas. Now, i got to say that Donald Trump, uh, and, you know, he's got his drawbacks, but he's the only president in my lifetime that made a real effort to do what he said he was going to do and, and, you know, face the opposition head on. So, but, but that was an anomaly because uh, in most cases they just, once they get in there, they join the club and, and, and they're under extreme pressure from the party, from their party to do that. So, 
you know, could that happen to a Constitution Party candidate or an independent or somebody else? Yes, theoretically Absolutely. it could, but they're not going to have the party uh, threatening to cut off funds to their district or cutting off campaign funds and all that. They're not going to be beholden to a party who got them there. Right. So we hope right. it would be different. Yeah, and, and I tend to agree. Um, one of the things that I liked about Trump was the fact that he was at least trying to to uh, do the agenda that he promised, whether you agreed with that agenda or not. You have to give him credit for that. He he attempted yep. to do it. Um, we have a caller on the line, but before we get to her, I got to remind people that you know it is cold and flu season, and you should probably do something about your immune system. Boost up your immune system. Um, Doctor Zelenko, the late great Doctor Doctor Zelenko. Nobel Prize nominated for his Zelenko protocols during the COVID nonsense. Uh, he, before he passed away, he created the Z stack, which is basically the Zelenko protocol in pill form. And you can get that at zstacklife.com. And if you use promo code lighthouse, we'll get you a little bit of a discount and uh, supercharge your immune system before, you know, before the flu hits you by going to zstacklife.com using the code Lighthouse. And now, Laura in Michigan. Welcome to National Intel Report. <laughs> Laura? It's the Constitution Party. We, we can't get it changed because you have to have a, a sponsor from the state legislature. The Democrats won't do it, and of course the Republicans won't do it. We can't get mm. the name changed to Constitution Party. Well, no, what I was going to talk about. Uh, you, your audio wasn't coming through initially. You're in Michigan, so I believe it's the taxpayer party still in Michigan. Is that what you're trying to say? That's what I just said. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I said, you didn't come on right away, so you're, okay. we couldn't hear you. That's what I said, uh, yeah. I, I, think think that's actually the, I think that has more to do with the ballot access, because in order to change the name, you'll have to requalify for ballot access. Isn't that right, Jim? Yeah, that's correct. I think the problem is in Michigan that they, uh, uh, yeah, if they if if they change the party name, they take the position that you you have to get everybody who's registered in the U.S. Taxpayers Party of Michigan to change their registration to the Constitution Party if they change the name, and you know that's that's ridiculous. And there's some good thought by some authorities. You know, more knowledge than I do that that uh, that could be successfully challenged in court, but that's the crapshoot, and and you know, the the party there is not willing to take that chance. There's, there's too much to lose if they lose. So that's the reason they're keeping the name at, to this point anyway. Unless until they we get a clarification, they would not require them to get everybody to re-register as. Uh, uh, where the anyway, registrations would change over. I ran for state rep in my county. It was the same year Mr. Peruca was running for president. Uh-huh. And I got 15%. I got the highest. Excuse me? I got the highest uh, third-party amount of votes that... It, our county had ever had because I had name recognition. I had written letters to the editor, and I've been to county commission meetings. I went to school board meetings. I went to state 
state school board meetings and testified in front of the education committee at the state. So I had name recognition and everything. But to go on with my story, uh, after the election, a gentleman, Jim, Jim Smith from the Flint Journal, called me up and he said, I'd like to do a story about you. I go, why? I lost. He said, yeah, but I got to tell you something. I was doing exit poll. He said, everybody I talked to said, well, we wanted to vote for Laura, but we were afraid the Democrat would get in. I mean, how do you break them with that? What do you do? Yeah, that goes I don't back have to- a magic wand to wave on that. I mean, that's <laughs> it's the process. They have to come to realize that they're going to keep getting the same bad results that they've been getting all along. And, uh, you know, candidly, I'm going to say that there may be some exceptions to that rule. There may be, there, there may be some times when that's you don't want to take that chance because you know what you have. And uh, but in most cases, you're going to. It doesn't matter which party label they have on. They're going to pretty much act the same way and support the same agenda. It's like I think Steve said at the beginning of this broadcast. It's the Uniparty. Yeah. Either half of the Uniparty, I, I agree. They they do the same thing. They get to, you know, they even if they campaign on you know cutting the deficit or whatever, they never do. Um, right. They both. You know, I did Let me jump in real quick. You know, I think one of the biggest problems with like the the Constitution Party, where you know the Constitution meant something to me when I was a kid. And, you know, I went to school and they read this thing and I said, oh, crap, that's great. Look, mom. And I was really happy about hearing about all this stuff. But I'm not sure that the kids are going through school and and learning the positive uh, characteristics of the Constitution. Right. And the Bill of Rights. And that might be a big problem since the, you know, I don't know. What was it? Ron Paul, when he was uh, running for president. They started saying things like, well, the guy might be a terrorist if he has a constitution on his desk. And if he says constitution, well, you better be, you know, worry of him, right? And so are these new generations of voters, right, the the 20-somethings, right, the millennials, right, are they afraid of these words like constitution because they've been given this global warming whole world view and they they really do go with socialism and fascism very very kindly you know and i think that's one of the the big detractors for the the constitution they don't actually our generations the ones on this call right now they they understand the different kind of political structures but man it, it's kind of scary to me i'm sorry guys this is is what I think. Jim? Yeah. Scary <laughs> scary to me, too. I mean, obviously, there are some exceptions to that, and um, homeschoolers, by and large, are, tend to be better educated on what the Constitution is about than, than uh, government school-educated students. Um, mm-hmm. And, and of course, that's the vast majority. And of course, uh, then when you get into the 
institutions of higher learning, the colleges and universities. There they uh, they, they teach a, a different gospel. They teach a, a gospel of socialism and and uh, degrade the Constitution and you know, put out the story mm. that uh, well everything from critical race theory to the idea that the Constitution is antiquated, is outdated, and uh, and it needs to change with the times. Written so by old right, have, white slaveholders. I've heard that exactly. many times. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though the average age is a living is document, living document, which means they could change it. Right. Yeah, that's the point. Right. Was the average age of the fifty-five people that signed it was like thirty-five or something like that. Yeah, there were some old ones, but there were some really young ones too. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> what I've always found yeah. really fascinating, and thank you very much for your call, Laura. What I've always found really fascinating about the Constitution was the fact that half of the men that signed it were attorneys. They're all lawyers, but yet they wrote a document that the average 10th grader can read and understand. Like they intentionally did not obfuscate it with a bunch of legalese where now every bill and law that gets put forth is, you know, thousands of pages long and you have to have a JD degree, a Juris Doctorate to, to even think about being able to understand it. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, on the other hand, uh, the average, what did you say, 10-year-old or 10th grader? Uh, 10th grader. Way, 10th grader, um, I think, had a lot more knowledge or a lot better understanding, were better educated than what 10th graders are today on that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Hey, all right, before we run out of time, where, how do we contact it? You know, I know. Tell the listeners, like, how do they support your lo- their local Constitution Party? You know, will changing the registration vote or registration voter registration help? What what do they need to do? How how can we break the cycle of of you know the lesser of two evils and the the two halves of the Uniparty? What can they okay. do to help? Go, well, first of all, go to constitutionparty.com. That's our national website. And on that website, you can find a map of the United States, and you click on whichever state you happen to be in. That will redirect you to the state party website. And from there, you can uh, well, you can learn about your state party and, and who the contact people are and get involved, get in contact with them to get involved with the party locally. As far as registration, um it's a matter of filling out a registration card, the same form that everybody else fills out. And again, this varies a bit from state to state, but in Pennsylvania, since we are not recognized as a state party or as a political party, you have to go in under the other line where it has, you know, Republican, Democrat, then you have to go in under other and, and write in Constitution Party. And that's going to be true in many states. There are, again, it varies from state to state. States that have already have permanent ballot access, you can always register there uh, by the party name. It should be an option that's on there. But many other states will allow you to to uh, 
register under the name Constitution Party, even if it's not recognized as a political party. You may have to write it in. It's a good chance it's not going to be a pre-printed name on there, but uh, write it in and and it counts. Okay. Um, and of course, all of, all of the other things that go along with any political party, you know, door knocking and, and all of that kind of stuff, spread the word, um, gathering Absolutely. signatures. Yeah, the important, I, I, don't, I forget who it was that said it all politics is local, and I know that's been repeated many times, but... Uh, and but there's truth in that, and you know, so often we get absorbed in the presidential race or you know, high-profile statewide race and that type of thing. But what is really critical for building a party is having people at the grassroots, having people in their local communities, in the counties, uh, getting involved in the process. And that's that's what we really need to build the party. We need to have droves of people who are willing at the local level to do their, you know, to brighten the corner where they are, their their own little corner, wherever it may be. And of course, mm. we always like people who have their sets their sights set on higher things, like uh, radio. Uh, people who uh, want to run for president and things like that <laughs> or, put, or put out a parody of a campaign for president. I was going to say, well, I can't run for president, but maybe the caller on line one can. David in Iowa. Welcome to National Intel Report. Hi, Peter. Uh, back in 2008, uh, I went to the, well, it wasn't the Republican convention the, that was in St. Paul. I went to the other one. I went to Ron Paul's in Minneapolis. <laughs> and uh, after uh, after uh, he found out that he wasn't going to be the presidential candidate, he said, vote for Chuck Baldwin and the Constitution Party. And I thought that the best man for president is Chuck Baldwin. He has no baggage. He's a good man. He's a pastor. His website is ChuckBaldwinLive.com. Don't put ChuckBaldwin.com. You'll get a professional photographer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that's right. Chuck Baldwin's a very good guy. He's, he's a great guy. He was a great candidate in 2008 for the Constitution Party. Can we draft him? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether he would accept the draft anymore or not. Yeah, I think well, I, been, I can't think of anybody anywhere near him. Has no. there been uh, Jim? Has there been anybody uh, speaking up saying that they they might want to run under the Constitution Party banner next time around? Yes, as a matter of fact, there's a fellow by the name of Bo Short who uh, lives in Montana, but he's been around the country. He has uh, a lot of. Uh, a lot of experience in the political arena and a lot of contacts. Very articulate. He's a great, um, made speeches all around the world, uh, motivational speeches. Anyway, he he's expressed an interest. I don't hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag too soon, but he's uh, he spoke at our last national committee meeting 
which we just had last month in Sparks, Nevada. And um, he's a very impressive person. So, you know, he certainly hasn't made an announcement or anything like that yet, but he has expressed an interest in it. And he's in the process of learning to know us and for us to learn to know him. And I think he would be a very effective candidate. Well, we'll have to get him back here on this show the minute he makes an announcement or whoever makes that announcement. Yeah, or you could have him on before he makes the announcement. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, (laughs) great guy. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Steve, any, anything else? We're getting close to that top of the hour. we got about five minutes left. Anything uh, we want to add? Oh, I don't know. You know, I was just thinking about uh, what you're talking about, running a, you know, Chuck Baldwin or somebody uh, for uh, the Constitution Party up in the next upcoming crazy fest, right? You know, what the heck is gonna, that going to be? The Uniparty has two clowns, and everybody's fighting against each one of the clowns whether it be the the Trump clown or the, you know, oh, God, what's his name out in Florida? Um, DeSantis. Yeah, you know, he's a beautiful clown, right? Except (laughs) if you're a leftist, right? You hate him with venom, right? And whoever the heck they decide to run. So I see this, you know, I don't, great. You get somebody like Chuck Baldwin to, to go over there. And I really like Ron Paul, right? I, you know, I voted for him, even though he wasn't on the ballot. But um, it was just something, and you know, maybe I, that was wrong. But, but I don't know what's going to change, right? To to get it so that somebody like a Constitution Party, the Constitution Party, or whatever you want to call it, can actually make a difference and actually get into the important places. You know, I, I think you're right. We need to I, I, local is best. But it's hard to now. Yeah, you got to start local. Put the Constitution Party people in those school boards and town councils and stuff like that. Get the at least get the Constitution Party name out there where people even know that it exists. Like I said, I did. It'd been around for what nine? You said ninety two. So been around for almost twenty years before I even knew it existed. Yeah. And yep. So just getting people in in small local offices will at least get the party name recognized. Hmm. Well, here in Fredericksburg, Texas, I'm not too sure. I I do know that we have a lot of people that like the Constitution in in, in my town, right? But we try to – it's the Republicans versus the Democrats. Dun-dun-dun. And that's all they like to to fight about. The left, the right, the left. (laughs) I'm just going – Jeez, shut up. And it just gets tiring. Um, I don't know. And we're still trying to get control of our voting system. You know, the fraud in the voting system means that we could put somebody, a well, uh, a good candidate on the ballot. And, well, well, damn, they own the newspaper, too. Great. So they're going to lie about everybody. Wow. We're having problems here. Sorry, I got winded. Well, thank you very much, Jim, for joining us. It is break time. When we come back from the break, three minutes from now, we will have Bud Cornwell wanting to talk about the the Convention of States project. That's an Article 5 convention. Thanks again, Jim. Hey, thank you. Appreciate being on. Thanks, Jim. 
to fix almost all of the problems with our federal government. Okay, it's not my idea. It's a bill sitting in the House that will probably never get a vote. H.R. 46, the One Bill, One Topic Transparency Act. If every bill in the House could only deal with one subject, then Congress couldn't add unrelated amendments. Pork and earmark would become nearly impossible. Every bill would have to stand on its own merits. No more bad laws tacked onto spending bills. Corruption would become more difficult. Waste would become more obvious. We would get the transparency from Congress that we deserve. H.R. 46, One Bill, One Subject Transparency Act would be the greatest legislative win for we the people since the U.S. Constitution. Read H.R. 46 and sign a petition of support at liberty-lighthouse.com slash H.R. 46. At Romica Designs, we're more than just a laser engraving and specialty design company. Much more. I'm Ron Phillips, co-owner of Romica Designs, and we're honored to work with our affiliates like Liberty Lighthouse to bring you professional laser engraving and customization. Great for one-of-a-kind gifts, home decor, business and specialty items, or personalized and logo designs created just for you or your company. Allow Romica Designs and Liberty Lighthouse to become your go-to gift and specialty project partner. Romica Designs can help make your ideas a reality. We're ready to help you design and create that special gift for any occasion or engrave your personal or business logo on just about any product. All you have to do is simply email us with your ideas. We specialize in custom design and we'd be honored to have the opportunity to discuss it with you. Visit us on the web at RomicaDesigns.com and use promo code LIGHTHOUSE during checkout to support Liberty Lighthouse with Peter Serafine. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must eat the mail. Welcome back to the National Intel Report for Thursday, December 8th, 2022. I'm Peter, I'm the Thursday night host. With me tonight, I got Steve O'Brien sitting in the co host chair. There you go. Steve of Republic of Texas Radio. And now joining the call, we got uh, Bud Cornwell, or uh, Minuteman Bud, on the Twitterverse. The gunny. The gunny. Yes. Ooh. All right, Most gunny. Or gunny. Gunny, you, you've got your own show that I can't I remember do. the name of right now. Patriot Cause. Patriot Cause. That sounds like I, sounds like my kind of show. But Absolutely. I brought There's you sure on. a lot of causes out there. <laughs> <laughs> I brought you on the show with us tonight because you're a big supporter of the Convention of States Project. Absolutely. Now, 
before we go on, okay, I'm going to tell you, I used to be a big supporter of the Convention of States, I and I have backed off significantly. Okay. I, I understand that. And Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give you this whole hour to try to change my mind. No, I don't want to change your mind. I just want to speak the truth, right? All right. All right. Well, I backed off being a supporter of the – and let me tell when I say I, I was a big supporter, I pledged all of the profits from my first book Oh yeah, Absolutely. to Convention Estates. Yep. Of course, I didn't sell enough copies to actually make a profit, but, you know, had I <laughs> made a profit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry about Dancing. that. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I backed off because my logic has become thus that our government is ignoring our Constitution as it exists now. They're ignoring exactly. all of our rights. They stomp all over our First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth and Fifth Amendments on a nearly daily basis. So what would more amendments do? Won't they just ignore those two? Uh, I, I agree with you. I know this sounds funny, but I agree with you. Well, it's been great having you on. <laughs> yeah, but okay. But what other choice do we have other than using the Constitution, which Article 5 allows the states to have a constitutional amendment? Now, I agree with you, but here's the difference. Not trying to change your mind is think about what I'm going to tell you. Convention states is not just about having a convention for the amendments of the Constitution. We're standing up actual members of this country for self-governance. And that's a difference. What I mean by that is, you know, becoming a sheriff, going into and winning a seat in any of the state legislations, which we have done. It's, it's not the idea of getting to a convention. That is a goal, but it's not the primary goal. The primary goal of convention of states is to stand up. Imagine if millions of people did what Antifa did, burning down these cities in this country, and stood up for America, stood up for our values. Can you imagine how the difference in this country would be? That's what I'm telling you about. Is it's, it's not the fact of just getting to this convention, which I think we should, because at least it gives the people the ability to change the Constitution, amend the Constitution, and hold the government responsible. Now, last but not least is this. Nowhere in the Constitution does it require the federal government to balance the budget. Right. If it, if it did, 
maybe, Peter, I'm telling you, maybe the Supreme Court could actually hold these people accountable if they don't balance the budget. That's the, you know, the three tier executive, legislative and judicial process. It's, you know, it's just kind kind of us going together as patriots to kind of figure out how do we e- either a reestablish what the constitutional people developed for a free nation in this country or two make corrections to what they did not adhere to at that time frame which maybe they didn't see what's going to happen and that's where we're at well i think it odd that we haven't in the 243 years of our constitution we have never had a constitutional convention but if you look into it if you go back and you look, nope 1789 that was the first one we haven't no had rights one since so we had a constitution. Yep. We haven't had one since we've had a constitution. A call, that's that, that, correct. You, know, the you are correct. Yes. However, if you, if you do look back at the history, there have been a couple points in time when we've come really close to having one and our federal government caved on the issue. 1860, I think it was, South Carolina yes. was pushing Absolutely. the House over, over uh, what they felt were unjust uh, tariffs and South Carolina was getting enough traction that the federal government at the time caved in and, and let, lowered the tariffs enough to get South Carolina to back off. Um, there was another time too, and it just slipped my mind. There was, there's twice that we've come close to having an yes, absolutely. convention. Yes, and, you and are correct. Uh, are you up on like I, how close are we? It takes thirty-four states to call a convention. What are we up to? Like eighteen that have that have passed it through the. All right, conference. so we have nineteen states. Nineteen now. Now here's what people don't understand: is well, many people don't understand is the state has to pass a resolution within their state, right? Senate and the House to send that to Congress to do this process. Right. So today we have 19 states, which means we have 15 more. 34 states is what is required to do this convention. This is the good news. The good news is even after the convention proposes these amendments to Congress, Mm. it must go back to the states. And then we must have 38 states ratify any of the amendments. Any amendment proposed has to be ratified by the that same 30, 75% exactly. or 38 states. Steve, I think that that gets to, um, well, one of your concerns over a convention of states was was the whole, you know, could they do the yeah. runaway convention and wreck the Constitution thing? So, so exactly. yeah, uh, what you're saying there, there, Peter, um, but... So one of my things is, is I'm happy that 15 states have to be added because I'm afraid of actually reopening the Constitution and the critters that are actually existing in our political infrastructure getting sure. in there and mucking with the wrenches on a document 
well, they don't follow it anyway, so what are we even talking about? But still, we give it lip service, the, the Constitution, and we say, well, we could use it to get rid of the Federal Reserve. And you're like, oh, okay, well, Absolutely. they don't want to. And so, you know, yep. if we get it in there, uh, but I don't see any elected officials, but I, I like you explaining the fact that we need to first, they need to first agree that they want to do it. I am just too worried about the people that exist in our society around us and them not having an understanding and trying to get a free lunch thrown into the damn thing and, you know, maybe gender-modifying surgeries thrown in for free, you know, and that'll be part of our next con uh, constitution, right? So that's yep. the part that scares me, and you've heard this so many times, right? You know, this has got to be yeah, your number absolutely. one. Okay. Yeah. I don't know so, Steve, um, I, I may may have the ability to make you feel more comfortable to understand what is happening. <laughs> okay. And maybe not. Okay. So here's the thing. Every state that passes the resolution of Convention of States in America is identical. So the verbiage of this amendment this resolution that is being passed by these Congress within their states are identical. The verbiage is identical. So what that means is if and when we have a convention of states, anything that is not within that realm of the three things, and here's the three things, term limits for all government officials even as a sign hmm. you know Pelosi whatever right Fauci is sure. a, an assigned I love government I love right her. okay number two to ensure that the government can balance their budget so if I spent enough years in the government being forced as an employee to balance my budget. You know, because if I didn't spend money today or spend money tomorrow, I wouldn't get the same amount of money next year. So even though I was able to, quote, curtail or reduce the spending in my department, and say, I don't need that money. They didn't care. You got to spend this additional $15 million yeah. or you're not going to get it. Okay, so that's number two. Number three is this. And I think maybe this is, the, in my mind, the biggest structure of where the failure of our government is at, federal government, is the scope and the size of the federal government over the people. That's not the Constitution. Not at all. Not not at all. So now the the question is this. Is there any other way to at least address this problem without the people coming together with those three major factors to identify what our country 
has failed to do over, you know, 20, 30, 50 years. That's, I mean, I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to be a salesman. What I'm trying to say is I can't see any other way other yeah. than, you know, and doing a civil war. Right. I can't see any other way either. You know, I, yeah. I, I give you that. Um, one thing before. So are you saying that these, these three things are, are the three points that are in every single one of these constitutional conventions? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Only yeah. those things can yep. be addressed in this constitutional Absolutely. And there's no yep. other way for them nope. to throw no in No Second Amendment, <laughs> none of that. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's because theoretical. It, I mean, think about this. All right, so let's say you are a delegate that is sent from whatever state. I mean, most of them are going to be politicians, of course. We understand that. But it's you can send anybody. You can send Billy Bob the plumber to represent your state during this constitutional convention. Mm-hmm. You can't. But, of course, most of them are going to send the representatives. Oh, and it's... let's say Billy Bob from whatever state goes into this convention and says, oh, wait a minute, we need to talk about Second Amendment. We need to talk about abortion. We need to talk about all of these things in the conversation. Point of order, no, three things. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Right. Okay, hold on. I need to take a breath. First off, we're going to do a little public service announcement thing, and then we got a call. <laughs> If you call All yourself right. a conservative, I have a question for you. What are you trying to conserve? The $29 trillion national debt and the continued out-of-control spending? The status quo of a bloated and corrupt federal government? The deterioration of a moral society? Become a constitutionalist. Conserve the unalienable rights of we the people and the document that is supposed to restrict Amen. our government and protect our rights. Support the Constitution Party, the only nationally recognized political party that stands for the founding principles of the U.S. Constitution. Every point of the Constitution Party platform is tied directly to that founding document which made the United States a great nation. Learn more, join, and support the Constitution Party at ConstitutionParty.com or your state's Constitution Party website. I probably should have played that last hour when we had Jim Clymer, the national committee chairman for for uh, the Constitution Party on the show. Uh, sure. I, I, I've got something to say about the uh, the mock, you know, uh, uh, sure. convention that they that they the organization held a few years back. But first, we got Sarah in Oregon on line one. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, Peter. Hi. You're friendly guest <laughs> thank you but steve what you this got is, for us tonight uh, sarah we how how can you get the um delegation of all five parties to get along uh. <laughs> that that brings up a good point is i'm out of here bye Bye. Thanks for yeah, calling. We have to all get together and play Scrabble or something, right? Well, here's 
here's the thing. Let, let's pretend for a minute that tomorrow 15 more states pass the resolution. Now, it, it is a standard resolution put out by the, the Convention of States organizations, so it is exactly the same word, verbiage, so that um, the, the Congress can't look at them and say, well, this one's different, so they don't want, that one doesn't count, whatever. So, you know, they're pretty smart about doing it that way. But there are, there are blue states, we all know that, and it's the state legislatures that get to appoint the delegates. So you're going to have California, New York, and, and Illinois... They're going to send people to this convention for the purpose of recognition. Well, first off, they can't send them unless they pass the resolution in their state. Right, and if they get if they get if it gets close enough, some of them will. They'll. I mean, once the convention is hauled, they're all they're 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 going to send it just so they can have representation. So they're going to send delegates for the purpose of wrecking the convention. Now. The, the COS project, they had a mock convention, and they did I've get another one. Another one coming up this year. Oh, cool! This I didn't know that. Year. Yep. And they and they got together and they put so, they put forth some really good um, uh, proposed amendments. I, I was a big fan of the balanced budget amendment they they put forth. I thought it yeah. had, it, it was it was slickly worded it gave them an out, but it was only a temporary out, and, and you know it, it was nice. I liked it. But one of the biggest critiques, one of the biggest criticisms I've heard is that at least one of the amendments that they passed out of the convention did not follow the one of three things rules. At least one of them was outside of the realm and all of the representation that was there were people that were were part of the process and and know the rules and, and weren't there to wreck it. And they still went beyond the bounds. Now, the, the saving grace in my eyes is the fact that 38 states still have to ratify anything put forth yes, by convention. Absolutely. So if they put forth, you know, we're going to ban semi-automatic firearms, you're never going to get 38 That's states to ratify that. Absolutely. But then you stop and you think about it. Well, they got 38 states to, to agree to income tax. So I don't know. I Yeah, but... I, Remember, remember, Peter, when they address this convention and talk about income tax, they are outside of the realm of the state sending these delegates to this convention. Yeah, but whatever. And by the way, they can be removed instantly. Right. Because each state sets their own rules. Yeah. Right. Each Absolutely. state can say, you know, you're free to do That's as you, or you have to do exactly what we say or you're fired. Each yep. state makes their own rules for their own delegates. But my point is, if you look at every bad amendment that we have to our Constitution, they were all ratified by 75% of the states. Sure. 75% of, ours, uh, of our state legislatures you know, banned alcohol. 75% of our state legislators created income tax. 75% of our state legislators changed how senators were elected, completely flipping yep. the power structure in this country. So 21-year-old, so you can drink alcohol. Right. And Minnesota, by the way, has still not have passed that resolution. Well, it's the still one not state, amendment. It's not in the Constitution. No, it's not. But... That's a, a great example. 
the twenty one the twenty one alcohol thing was different. That was that was Ronald Reagan. Yes, basically threatening the but states it's, with it's, their tax. It's a money. great example where the majority of the states agree to that conceptual idea of twenty one, and Minnesota said it's not going to happen. Of course, it wouldn't happen today. Of course, right? But the point I'm making is is every state has that ability, like you're talking about, Peter, to come into this convention, to speak their mind, to have their ability to have free speech and understand and try to make the Constitution fit in their world. And I get that. But I stress again, this convention is not based upon free will ideology to come in there and try to destroy it. You cannot destroy this convention based on those three things. They will shut you down. All the other states that have agreed towards those three things are going to shut you down. Well, Anytime you have a convention of any type, the, the first thing you do is you, you sit down and you create the rules and, and, yes. elect, a, and elect a leader, a president. That is correct. Absolutely correct. So it's, 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 a lot of this is going to be predicated on the, the strength of that chairperson or leader or president of the convention mm. and, and the, the verbiage of the rules that are adopted. But, I, but my... I, I have a little bit of fear about something bad coming out of a convention. It's just a little bit. Sure. I'm, I'm, I, I agree. I'm, I'm pretty agree. confident that if it was too bad, they couldn't get, you know, 75% of the state legislatures or state conventions to go right, along. To with agree it. with it. Second but Amendment, I, freedom of speech, I, whatever. I still go back to they're ignoring the Constitution as it is now, so why wouldn't they just yes. ignore whatever comes out of it in the future? Well, the only way I can explain that is if if in the Constitution, you know, that the government was required to balance the budget, then the court system can intervene and say it's unconstitutional. Now, I agree with you 100%. Who's going to be in charge of the court today, tomorrow, whatever? But yeah. that's why we have the three tiers trying to balance this yep. the three ideology of, of balance of out the power of government because government is bad. But it is yes, break time, agreed. bud. We got... Uh, we got three-minute commercial break for the sponsors here at the network. We'll be back in three minutes talking with Bud Cornwell about the Convention of States project. Home delivery meal kits are so convenient, but most of them are so expensive. A couple of years ago, I tried the intro offers for eight or ten different home delivery meal kit services, and I settled on every plate. Every plate is half the price of most home delivery meal kits, just $4.99 a portion. Use the link at liberty-lighthouse.com slash everyplate and you'll save even more off that already affordable price. In fact, the intro offer starts under $2 a portion at liberty-lighthouse.com slash everyplate. 
Show. I'm Peter. With me tonight is my co-host, Steve O'Brien. Yay! Yay. Hi. Hi. And the guest with us right now is uh, Bud Cornwell from, uh, I forgot the name of his show already. I, why do I keep forgetting the name of your show? And and you're muted. <laughs> oh, sorry, Bud. Bud Try that okay, there the Patriot Cause. That's it. I don't know why I can't remember that. Yeah, the Patriot cause. The Patriot cause. Are are you not a patriot? Do you have a cause? It's called the Patriot cause. Maybe it's because mm. there's just so many Patriot organization things out yes, there. That... Absolutely. But I have a cause, <laughs> and we have a cause. They're everywhere. And I get it. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about the convention of states. We got we've got 19 of the 34 states that have passed the resolution to call for a convention. Yeah. Once a convention is called, Congress has to call it, then all of the states get to send their delegates. They get to make the rules for their delegates. Their delegates can be, you know, what do you call them, uh, you know, faithless delegates that can go and vote for whatever they want to vote for, or Absolutely. the state legislatures can say, no, this is exactly how you're going to vote on everything, or you're fired, and right. we'll find somebody else. Right. So each state gets to do that. Some states are going to be there, and they're going to be all supportive of exactly what we want to get done according to the resolutions, and other states are going to send people that are there for the purpose of destroying it. Anything that the convention is capable of putting out in the form of a proposed amendment still has to get ratified through the same ratification process yes. of, any other, of, of any other amendment. So it still has to get ratified by, by 75%, 38 of the 50 states. And, and then, you know, like most amendments, they either be ratified by the state legislatures or by conventions in the individual states. Both have been used by different amendments in different situations. Um, the, the 38, the 75 percent thing, that 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 really lessens my fear about you know bad amendments. But I, I still get the you know, we can't get them to, to follow the first and second amendments. Why are they going to follow the 28th through 30th? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, think about this. When in this country, in the 247 years, have we been able to bring the people, the states, together to at least have a conversation about how to make changes in our country. Well, Most of us, the governors do that regularly. 
theoretically. Yes, but they, that's they that is do. the one thing that I, I, I do like about it. the idea. That, that that is the one thing I I have to say I do like about the idea of the Convention of States, is because like I said earlier, every time the country gets close to having a a an Article Five convention, the federal government caves and gives in. Yes, absolutely. So, and it's it's possible. Think about what I'm telling you. In the next couple of years, maybe, especially if we have a Republican Senate and House and President, that maybe they are going to take up convention of states resolutions and try to pass them in Congress. They've done it before where the people have stood up and and argued about this and everything else. But what I want to know is why has the government, Congress, and the people in charge of this country have not stood up for the Constitution and change the document to adjust to our state where we're at. Right. The reason all these behind that, that yeah, all, all, the reason all, all, behind that is because there is a lot of political and business people that do not want that to happen. And I go back to this concept that I did when I started the podcast in 2020 as a Marine veteran for 20 years and in the government. By the way, I walked out of the government with no retirement because I knew what was happening. The the communist Marxist idea is infiltrating this country. It's that simple. Now, okay, I get it. I understand. But what I'm asking you is this. Do you realize it? Do you understand the education system that is being changed? So how, what are the other options to get our country back to the conservative values that was established, not by based on political values, but conservative values in this country. That's how simple it is. Well, I, I got you, uh, you know, Bud, you have alleviated a little bit of my concern where it comes to the, you know, the constitutional amendment or the convention that you guys are all pushing for. But I do have another fear now. I have a fear sure. that the current federal government is going to try to do the same damn thing all across the board. And after you've sat there and how long has it been since um, uh, you, that, that group? Right? It's like 2008, right? That it's been pushing 20, for 20, 2013. 2013. Yeah, by the way, it is a spinoff of the, um, what was, uh, 
Jesus. <laughs> I have a loss here. <laughs> it's okay, man. The, the, uh, you know, the organization that was started based upon the uh, Patriot cause. Mm. You know, are you just like trying a, to plug your show again? No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. You know, we're right. we're we're talking about the the ideology when Obama was elected, and the how the the people stood up. The Tea Party, exactly. Thank you very much, Pete. All right, the yeah. Tea Party. Well, this, is a tell you, this is a live call-in show, so we've got two people online right now. There One. You go is Pat in Fort Worth, who, if I remember correctly, is a big fan of Convention Estates. Pat, welcome to the show. You got Pat in Fort Worth. You got the wrong opinion, because I am not. Mark Levine was one of the first <laughs> ones to push the clot shot. Mark Levine has snuck around, and, and they're telling lies. You know <laughs> that if we get... 34 states calling for one single uh, issue, which is balance the budget. We have to call a convention. Right. We already have 32, and you cannot take it back. Texas has a call for a constitutional convention on the balance budget amendment. They got tricked, but they did it, and it cannot be taken back ever. And to prove it, uh, that Mark... Watkins or Watson or whoever he was down in Austin went around and got the 27th, I think it is, amendment that says that you can't give yourself a raise while you're in that uh, in that year or that uh, session. And and uh, he used all the 13 states that are 12 or how many it was before that 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 uh, went on that. So you the, the the precedent has been set that you can take any state. That has already uh, called for a balance of budget amendment, uh, uh, constitutional balance of budget amendment, and so we're up to 32. All we need is two, two states to talk about it. That's how we go talk about it, but because that's what uh, everybody's uh, worried about now is the budget, the balance in the budget. Okay. Uh, um, by the way, you can get, you can go on, on, uh, you can go on, uh, you can get an app called. U.S. Constitution. It's uh, stars on the top and, and it's and, uh, uh, red and white uh, stripes on the bottom. And you go straight to it and you can look up the articles, the paragraphs, everything. Okay. You well, don't have to find it. You brought up the 27th right Amendment. The 27th Amendment was actually first proposed to be the very first amendment to our Constitution. And it was in the late 80s, early 90s when a college student discovered that that amendment did not get ratified, did not become part of the Bill of, the Bill of Rights, and he picked up the cause to continue the ratification process. That amendment was proposed <laughs> in 1791. Well, the point is yeah. that, that, wow. uh, that you could go back and get one that was called for that long ago. But and once you call for it, you're you can't conflating go back. two steps of the process. You're conflating two different steps in the process, Pat. The the twenty seventh amendment was proposed to Congress, passed through Congress in seventeen ninety one, sent to the states for ratification. You're yes. conflating the calling for the convention 
and the ratification as they're two different things because most amendments nowadays that are proposed say that that it has to be ratified within seven years or it goes away and that that's that's done so that ones like the 27th amendment that have been around for 240 years can't be drugged back out of the dirt again but you're right once you pass the resolution the only way to recall the resolution is to pass it through both houses of the Congress again, exactly. or both houses of, of your state house. Yep. And they can do. That's why we well, have a, a couple of guys, and and uh, what I was named Lewis Euler. I think it was National Taxpayers Union, and the other guy I can't remember right now. But anyway, uh, they they went around fighting for that all over the country. Uh, and so they almost got a constitutional convention passed. Uh, I mean, we almost got one. And, and the yeah. new state's constitution is out there ready to be laid on the table. It's still there. There will be no trial by jury. Look it up. New state's constitution. Uh, you'll lose everything. And Mark Levine is not huh. anybody you should believe if he wanted everybody to take that clot shot right in the beginning before Trump. Telling you. All right. Why? Why? Why are you bringing up Mark Levine? What is this? He's behind he's the, the, he, uh, uh, the, the, the big U.S. Constitution of states. He's behind it. He's the one pushing it. Yeah. Huh. Mark Mark Levine is the the leader okay. of, the, of the Convention of States organization. Leader of the pack. Well, he's he's part of it. It's he's not the oh, leader. He's he is the face of it. I got yep. He's the face, and we have other people that are face of it. Yes, I, I and understand. Let me get this straight, Pat. You are for this, or you're against Mark? I'm against what? the Constitution of States. She's I'm against, against it. it. You've okay. brought it up on the show before. That's why I assumed you were for it. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks, Pat. And then, uh, that's and, uh, oh, we got a radio talk show here who said, if you're right, Pat, you just sue me. And guess what? He sent me a letter of apology because he knows that Texas has to call for a constitutional convention to, to balance the budget. He knows it. Well, there's yeah. been he lots of calls for conventions. There's, there's been lots of them. Yep, absolutely. And, Pat, That's... thank you for being against 30, it. 30, you know, you're, you're, a free, you're a freedom person. You have the ability to speak your mind. And that is what America is about. It's it's not about going here, going there. It's just you hear the information and you make well, a determination what, you know, in your life. I've seen what they do. I've seen them uh, use a personal column and, and put in there when they're going to have a meeting. It's like uh, in the newspaper and it's about uh, a half inch worth of words. And uh, they're sneaking around doing all this stuff, people. All right. Pat, thank you very much. Thing. Thank you very much for the call. Mike, the producer, put in our little private chat here that, that Stad Miller, the, uh, the founder of Republic Broadcasting Network, he used to always say, you can you call a convention of states with these nuts currently in charge and you can kiss everything goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. a valid point. I mean, that, there's I mean, a bunch of nuts. Be, it could be. It could be, <laughs> well, but... You know, there, there are a bunch of nuts in charge. Hey, we also have Lynn in Maryland on uh, line three. Lynn, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Peter. Thank you very much. And hi, Fred. Nice to hear you and meet you. Um, I really appreciated listening to you. Actually, got my brain a little spinning, and I appreciate listening to Pat as well. Um, you know, the one thing, first off, that I didn't think of till I thought of it was what we do never want to do, never, ever, ever, is agreeing to U.N. treaties because yeah. it overrides anything in our Constitution. Believe me, I'm all for people with disabilities for their rights, but not a U.S., not a U.N. treaty about it. I mean, I had a tizzy fit over that a couple of years ago. And I'm like, no, so that overrides our American with Disabilities Act? No, absolutely not. Never. I don't care if some little island doesn't have, you know, accessible ramps. You know, that's we don't, we'll end up paying for it anyway. Um, but what I was thinking about, first thing was, who's going to chair this thing? It should be an impartial party that's not yep. participating Absolutely. in the yep. convention itself other than chairing it, just like you would chair any business meeting, so you keep your attitude and everything out of it and just keep order and make sure everybody follows Roger, Robert's rules. That's what I would recommend there. And okay, so. what I was thinking about, though, was yesterday. The Supreme Court hearing, I think it was Moore v. Harper, and I didn't hear the whole thing, though I did hear most of it in two different sittings. But what that does is, and it, it had to do with, you know, election maps, actually, but it would give power to state legislatures over the Constitution for, like, uh, the election clause. And if depending on how they rule on that... Even if you had a convention, when it came to the rest of it, couldn't states just turn around and overstep it? And I still would be worried that if you didn't have it so clearly written out that nobody could ever change their mind and and go into a broader aspect in that convention, which is what we know right now could happen, that... People would have free reign, and they're too. I agree with John Statmiller. There are too many crazies in the world right now. <laughs> well, first, All right, so Peter, let me respond yeah, go ahead. for a second. All right, when this convention is being conducted, we're bringing all the states, all their delegates. The first thing that must happen is all of these delegates have to vote who is going to be the president. So it's not like, you know, Mark Levin or Mark Meckler or anybody that's part of the Convention of States is going to be the leader. No. The leader is going to be a representative of the people to guide the Convention of States. It, it, it's, it's that simple. It's the same process that Congress does, electing a Speaker of the House. Oh, yeah, and that works out well all the time, doesn't it? I, I get it, but <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm Peter, I understand that. But I think I want to hope that the majority of the states that have to do this election process is going to elect, which I think they will, a constitutional person to actually conduct and be in charge. Now, that person is a non-voting person. 
his purpose or her purpose is to conduct the event, not be part of it. Kind of like the president so, of the Senate. They only only vote to break ties. And they shouldn't that's have correct. their thumb on the scale. Right. I mean, that's the thing about that's leading correct. any meeting like that is to stay detached and not get into any emotions and to just keep everybody civil and follow the rules. And unless you have to break a tie, you don't a good meeting leader never puts their opinion in. Well, because it causes the chaos. Is, they have too much powers as as being the chair. Yeah, I, I agree. And the the one part about it is the convention is really just a conversation. And uh-huh. and and what comes out of the convention is just a proposal. So, you know, I, like I said before, in, at the beginning of this conversation, I've gone back and forth many times. I used to be a big fan. I'm I, I now I think it's somewhat wasted of a process because they don't they, who we have now doesn't uh, adhere to the Constitution anyway. So why would they adhere to new amendments? Um, but the one thing you know that makes me think you know it's still worth doing is because it's just a conversation. It's a but it's a conversation called for by we the people just to scare the government if for nothing else um I, I just have two other things real quick to say regarding that if it's okay um sure. one is we can actually see what happens to delegates that go to political conventions and and the games that get played with them you know let's send you on a field trip while everybody's taking a vote or the store or something and um but the other hey, thing is you might want to look something up when obama was in office he passed the bill and this is actually what woke me up and i looked at this bill i'd printed out and it was signed into law and i'm like wait a minute we don't have like rights of american citizens we have u.s bill of rights well that bill actually lists out the un's um rights of american citizens yeah i'm not that's a scary thing to me that scares me more than anything that's going on yeah as far as i'm concerned thank you I think it's yeah. a good idea if you can keep people from going off the rails and totally just saying, nope, we don't have this constitution anymore. Now we're a bunch of communists or fascists, which we already almost are. So, almost. you know, I think we well, need to be very, very careful, call, but I think a conversation yep. is a good there. thing and we should all keep talking about it. Thank you. I, right, I, Peter, I, I want to respond real quick here. Wait, you please. said something that is very powerful. We're What's talking that? about you know, getting people together to have a conversation to understand what's happening. It's important. And this is at the state legislative environment into a conference. Yeah. Not not just, you know, having us, which, thank God, I don't have to be there, right? We're talking about the people that have been elected now and Peter has a great point let's say that these amendments come out these three amendments come out and and be presented to Congress to pass to the states again the the surefire way of ensuring that the people, the representatives, 
good, bad, different Democrat, Republican, if there's no compromise, there is no way that these amendments would come out through and get this, ratified. quote, conversation and ratified. Absolutely. Yep. It, right. it, may, it may die in the vine, right, Peter? It's very possible. It's happened oh, 2,000 times or so. Hey, Joel in Wisconsin, we'll be getting to you in about uh, 60 seconds. Twas the night before Christmas. The kids snuggled asleep in their beds when you heard a loud rumble like Santa and his sled. So you went downstairs to take a peek, get a look. You were confronted by this creep, a crook. He drew his weapon, but you fired first. And now this creep could take all your worth. Secure your family with right to bear insurance. Plans start at $10.95 a month with civil and criminal defense coverage options up to $2 million. Visit liberty-lighthouse.com slash right to bear to learn more or sign up and start protecting what have now. All right, Joel in Wisconsin. It, we're getting short on time, so let's make it quick. Okay. This is a really good show. I like it. It's pretty informational, but I do hear things that make no sense to me. So I, I have to, this is directly related to the situation, but not necessarily the topic. Uh, Peter said earlier that uh, all the amendments had been ratified, and I would like to point out that the 16th, there's a book written by uh, Bill Benson and Red Beckman that proved that the 16th Amendment was not ratified. They they altered the states, altered the uh, amendment, and then they ratified the altered one, which which is totally ridiculous. And I would like to point out here, as far as the 17th Amendment goes, have you ever heard of a politician that was that would be willing to give up power? Because the 17th Amendment, if it was truly ratified, and I absolutely believe it was not, three-fourths of the states, state legislators, would have had to have given up power to pass that amendment. And that makes zero sense as far as any politician that I've ever heard of to do. Oh, why they did it, that? supposedly. I, I, I do agree that it, that that doesn't happen. Politicians don't give up power. But but the reason given, the supposedly, why the 17th Amendment got passed was because the state legislators would end up in deadlock. They'd have states that were 50-50 houses, and they couldn't get enough votes to appoint a single senator. And so the seat would be empty. So they wouldn't have any representation in the Senate. And, and they were – it's – They'd, they'd rather have the people put somebody there just to have somebody there than it to be vacant. That's the argument that's, that's supposed that, argument, but they're still giving up power, aren't they? Because then they can't themselves. pull the guy back because the whole purpose yeah. of that of the of the U.S. Senate would be uh, uh, under the uh, authority of the state legislator. Right. It would be actually better to not have one there than one voting with uh, with uh, commies. Right. I, I understand. Hey, we've got less than two minutes, and I want to give Bud just a second to plug his stuff again. Bud, as the guest of the show, how can people find you? How do they listen to you, to uh, the Patriot cause, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Bud? All right. I'm back off mute. Thank you, Steve. All right. Any podcast on your app, go to the Patriot cause. And you can get it. You can also go to pay, thepatriotcause.com and listen 
on the website and your phone, therefore, if you don't have a podcast app. So All right. thank you very Patriot, much. I appreciate that. ThePatriotCause.com. Thank you for listening. If you're listening live on Republic Broadcasting Network, please stay tuned for Edge of Darkness with Jeffrey Bennett. Thanks to Steve for co-hosting with me tonight. Thanks for Bud and our earlier guest, Jim. Thanks to Mike, the producer, couldn't do it without you. And thank you, Alyssa. You're why we do this. Until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. We must take America back. We must take America back. MyPillow.com is not just the best place to buy pillows. It's everything you need for, well, sleeping. The My Giza Dream Sheets are by far the best quality sheets I've ever owned. The towels are fantastic, and my waffle quilt is just in time for winter. Slippers, sandals, robes, sleepwear, all at MyPillow.com. And if you use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com, I'll save you up to 66% off. So go to MyPillow.com and don't forget the promo code LIGHTHOUSE.